Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. Thank you so much for clicking on the Holderness Family Podcast. Today, all about life skills for your kids. Yeah, we are going to talk to Lisa Enlick Heffernan from Grown and Flown. You may have actually heard of it. It is, it's a book, but it's also this great online community. It's a support group, really, for how to communicate with, parent, connect with teens as a parent. And we are obviously going through that right now, Kim. And at the same time... We've talked about this in our podcast before. We're seeing all of these. We're remembering ourselves as teenagers, and we're seeing glimpses of that in our kids. And sometimes it's adorable and wonderful, and sometimes it's scary. And she's here to kind of help talk us through that. I feel as if you know I have teenagers now, and I you know I can remember being a teenager. So I feel so on the record. Yeah, the dress rehearsal's over. The every experience, especially with my poor daughter, um, you know, at, at every turn, she's so busy. So I feel like if I have a half hour with her, you know, I, I love being with her. But I'm like, okay, do did I teach you this? Okay, do you know how to write uh, a letter and where the stamp goes? And all these little life skills mm-hmm. that I want to make sure she's equipped with. Uh, before she leaves the nest and I just feel the list is so long and so daunting Uh, but today talking with Lisa we got some good action items yeah there's some things I think that are no-brainers and it's funny because I again I go back and think about my childhood I know that the life skill that my parents did not teach me was organization and cleanliness and as a person with ADHD I wish that had been taught to me more but here's the reason why Mm -hmm. they tried to but I just didn't do it and instead of, instead of like holding me accountable for it, they would eventually just, they got so sick of how messy I was, they would clean it up. So I would just wait until it was over. And that, that's kind of like a no brainer, right? Like just make sure the kid cleans well, it up. But there's a lot more nuanced things as well. So I, I, where, I, where I sympathize with your sweet mother. So your dad was gone a lot. He was a pastor of a church. Sure. And he worked more than full time. And your sweet mother, they had very more traditional marriage. So she, she did a lot of volunteering and she was very active. She was, you know, she stayed at home and I know 
that she liked a tidy home and that's me so that's where i falter too is that i see my children's rooms and uh, lola's actually good about picking up after herself but my son if i ask him to pick up his clothes and pick up his room he'll put the clothes on top of the clothes hamper yeah and it's like these these little things where and then what do i do instead of having him do i'm like i'll just i'll just put him in so i feel like i have done that too especially for my son like oh i'll just i'll just it's easier if i just do it same with cooking yeah i feel i feel as if our kids we want them to try to cook but i will just step in when I see them doing it wrong and I should just let them make the mistake. Yeah. My point about the cleaning is, and we don't really talk about that much with Lisa. We talk more about things like money. We talk about alcohol. We talk about helping out when relationships go bad. We talk about saying no. My point about the cleaning is I'm looking at myself back then and I'm looking at myself now and I'm realizing how important this phase is. Like it's, it really is one of your last chances to leave an impact on your children that you think will make them better people. And so that's why yeah. I think this is such an important conversation. And it's so low stakes right now. It feels very important, but if they screw up the eggs or if they mismanage money at this point, it is pretty low stakes. And that's the, that's kind of what I took out of it now is like, we just have to give our kids and I'm speaking to, I'm speaking Penn and I, Oh yeah, we have to give our kids more opportunities to practice in a safe way. I want to say also, we put out a call out on Instagram or what are important skills you're teaching your kids or want to teach your kids. And we got so many great ideas that we're going to create a blog that'll accompany this. We'll put in the show notes with it's, I'm literally going to create a checklist that I'm going to use myself, you guys, with your suggestions that we can all use kind of like a life skills. And let me tell you, it's going to be a life skills summer over at the Holderness House. All right. So let's get to Lisa. But before we do, guys, it is getting warm outside. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that you all know that we have a shop. We got some teas. We got, I mean, in some places, it's still kind of cold. So there's some hoodies. There's a lot of great pickleball shirts. Y'all. Pickleball, uh, pickleball y'all. y'all. Uh, and if you don't have one playing pickleball, just so you know, if, if you do play pickleball, people like puns and cool sayings on their shirts. So we have that. Also have a new design coming out not too far away. Now onto our guest. Lisa Endlich Heffernan is from Grown and Flown, a website, book, and online community designed to connect parents with resources for raising teenagers and young adults, including advice from best-selling authors and national experts in health and education. Her book, Grown and Flown, How to Support Your Teen, Stay Close as a Family, and Raise Independent Adults, covers school, relationships, how to maintain a connection with children after they leave home, and everything in between. Her work has been featured in the New York Times and the Washington Post. And how about this? In 2017, she was named one of People's 25 Women Changing the World. Welcome to the show, Lisa. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Tell me about the Grown and Flown community and why you wanted to create it. So when I had kids in high school, and I guess my oldest had gone to college, my co-founder, Mary Dell Harrington, and I really felt like there wasn't much out there for parents of teens and young adults. We thought we were in the toughest moment of parenting. And actually, in retrospect, I think we were. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest and most important and most consequential parenting you do is parenting of teens. And there just wasn't much online. There just wasn't a community. So we started a website. We had 800 writers, lots of experts, teachers, counselors, physicians, psychologists, 
lots of parents telling their stories. And then we started an online community and we have about um, 250,000 parents there. Wow. I would say the reason why this is so popular is when you quantify it, when you say, okay, here's a hundred life skills you can teach your teens. And here's some really important ones. I can speak as the parent of a teen that it's, it is, you know what you're supposed to do, but you just don't know maybe how to do it, when to do it. Like there's a lot of those issues as well. So I'd love to know that. I mean, the teen ages are, are vast, right? You go from 13 to 19. So of those skills, there's also like important timing for that, right? Yes. And they don't make it easy. Right. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's not like they're there waiting for you to impart this wisdom and, and help them become adults. They resist you at every turn. They sure do. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's hard to know when, and sometimes we do things too early, and it's hard to know, even when you figured it out with your first kid, it'll be completely different than your second kid. So, it's not mm-hmm. like the learnings that you, you gain in one child work for, for the other child. So, the best analogy I think I can use is, have you taught a teen to drive yet? Yes. Sure we, yeah, she gets her license in like officially in two weeks, but yes. Okay, so that is the metaphor for everything, if if I may. You got in the car with her and you told her everything. In fact, you probably took her in a parking lot because you didn't trust her on the street. Yes. <laughs> and you told her everything and you you gave her lots of edicts and you lots of do nots and you must and don't you dares. And you probably even raised your voice. I'm just going to guess. I raised mine a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of grabbing of handles in the beginning. And break a lot hard, of, break yes. hard, break hard, break hard. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And over time, you did less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to go from being somebody who's literally ready to grab the steering wheel if you need to, to somebody who's answering their work emails in the passenger seat. Yes. You are trying to make that transition. You are trying to become the person who is their guide and their mentor and their confidant, if that's appropriate, not the person who tells them everything to do. And you have lots of time to do that. Like you said, you have six years, seven years, eight years of their adolescence. But honestly, kids right now have a much closer relationship with their parents. It goes on well into their 20s, that that attachment. And we've heard that. And I'm okay with that. I definitely have heard parents say, well, they got their license. I guess I'm done, which I, we know we, we, we've had plenty of people on to know that, but it, you know, hearing that this is like a driving experience for each of these life skills, you've got a hundred of them. I can't imagine teaching my daughter to drive a hundred times or doing something like that. Can we take a little bit of time and talk about maybe like the three to five, like big ones that, that you feel are the most important life skills to teach your kids? So the first one we put on the list was for a reason, and that is saying no. And you might think, well, my kid knows how to say no, <laughs> but they don't in one sense. So they've lived in your home and in your home, the lights go out at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock, depending on your family and healthy meals appear at six o'clock or seven o'clock. And there are a lot of temptations and behaviors that just are not allowed. And so they don't happen. So your daughter may not drink simply because she knows she has to come home and face you on a Saturday night Mm -hmm. and walking through that door isn't going to go well. But now she's going to go to college and she needs to know how to do that on her own. She needs to know all that regulation on herself. And it's very different. I know you had Lisa Damore on your podcast. She's one of my favorite experts around. She's um, so amazing. Isn't she? (laughs) Parenting teens. One of the things she talks about that I think is so useful for us to continue to think about is we want our kids to move from that state where they are thinking what happens 
if I do this? What, what kind of trouble am I going to get into to thinking what could go wrong if I do this behavior? And that's how they learn to say no. So they may not have been drinking in your home or using drugs in your home because you, they were going to get in trouble with you and you know all hell was going to rain down on them. But we want them to go to college and think, this isn't healthy for me. I don't do well under these conditions. This isn't something that's good for my mental health or my physical health. We want them to learn to say no because they know what's good for their health, their mental health, and their physical health. So the first and most important skill is to say no. And I, There's nothing really more important. When I read that, well, first of all, the kids are going to go to college. And at some point, I even, you know, and wanna, I'm trying to think, maybe it was the Untangled book that Dr. Uh, Lisa DeMora wrote. There is a point in time where if your kid isn't at the parties with a drink in their hand, it, it it's almost odd like they're the odd man out so I definitely say especially in high school like it's a no but then it's also a to me like the conversations about regulating that if you don't want to drink like how to stay at the party and not be the drinking but also beyond that as an adult getting past the college age saying I, I struggle with this too there are so many times I've overcommitted myself because I've said yes to so many different committees or a speaking engagement or something and I, I've stretched myself so thin so I took saying no is how to delegate time to something and we're seeing this in high school because Lola is a joiner we've learned she's doing great but she's joined so many clubs and at some point like you can't have an impact because you've joined so many clubs right so you have to say no to something yep Yep. And that has to do with understanding your own physical health, your own well-being, mm -hmm. your own mental health, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. But it actually touches on the, one of the second most important things that high school students need to learn that college students really, really put into practice, which is time management. Mm. Their lives are so structured in high school. There is a time school starts. Everybody starts at the same time. Everybody finishes at the same time. After school activities are at the same time. We try and have dinner roughly around a reasonable time. And as I said, lights go out at a certain time in our homes. That is not the way life works in college. And many, many kids stumble in college, not because they can't do the work. Colleges have admitted them because they know they are capable of doing the work, but because they can't manage their time. Mm. So they haven't been able to wake up at eight o'clock on a weekday morning and think, I don't have a class till two. I can fool around all morning or I could start on that project that's due next week. A lot of them haven't developed that skill. Or if, like your daughter, they're a joiner, they've overcommitted themselves. And now they are running in too many different directions and cannot get it all done. And they're not used to the, the school semesters and the way they work and whether it's longer projects and fewer you know, grading opportunities over the course of this semester. So it's super important they learn that skill from us while they're still in our homes. And how do you teach that, knowing that their lives are so structured right now? How do we inform? force that they how, how do we give them practice of doing it on their own some of that is the way we've taught them everything in their lives and it's modeling okay so it's talking about you know what i've got this big thing do it work next week if i don't start it now it's going to happen because we wanted to do this as a family on the weekend some of that is just verbalizing what we do habitually that we know how to do because we're adults some of it is helping them find the tools to do it so for some kids the planners have made a resurgence, like yeah. paper planners. Um, for some kids, the paper planner is really the way to go. They can look visually at their day. It really helps. A lot of kids, it's reminders on their phone. So it's working with them to figure out which tool suits their way of thinking and their mind the best and their life the best, and then showing them how we do it and then finding the tools that will work for them to do and talking this through with them explicitly. We uh, had a calendar as a prop in a video yesterday, 
and Lola came downstairs. I was like, it's just a prop. She's like, can I have it? She got so excited. <laughs> she put it on her wall and started writing stuff in. These are all things that I did not necessarily do as as a child and it's interesting because look when they get to be teens their lives become mirrors to yours right like i don't know how much i remember time before my teenage years but i remember every second and so i see so many of those i either either something different or something that's the same with what happens to me so i like to take when i'm looking at these i like to take a lot of my experiences and say ooh how could that have changed and i wonder if that's not the ones that i'm like going to fixate on more one of them you mentioned was money mm-hmm. um, and managing money and managing money. And I never, I never really learned that. I mean, we didn't really, we're have still it. trying to figure that out. If we, I can be honest, right. Lisa. <laughs> I know. So that's, <laughs> and I, you're not alone. <laughs> I think that I, I've got some major arrested development. I mean, for starters, we didn't really have a lot of money, but still like you, you should learn even better if you don't have a lot of money. So I want to know the, like the best strategy for teaching our kids about money. So I've I've got a couple of ideas around that. And I'm going to tell you right now, these came from hard-won experience. I did a Mm -hmm. terrible job of teaching my kids Mm. uh, to manage money. And they will tell you that if you, even if you don't ask, they'll tell you that. Um, First of all, stop a system that is in many homes where kids ask, can I have money for X? We say yes or no. They argue with us. We either relent or we dig in. And each purchase is a new decision point. That's a terrible system because they are taking no agency and they are learning nothing. They are just trying to make withdrawals at the bank of mom and dad. And that is a terrible system. So start them on a budget really early. You know, a 13-year-old can manage a budget. A 17-year-old must manage a budget. So Mm. some amount of money that's either their own spending money that they've earned or money that you give them. And that is what they can spend and let them spend and let them misspend that money. Let Mm. them make the small mistakes while they're still at home. This is a theme to everything. Let them make the small mistakes while they're at home so they're not bigger mistakes when they've left home. So as in calendaring, help them find the tools. So for some kids, it'll be the app for their bank account. Mm -hmm. Some kids, it might be a spreadsheet, just depending on how your kid's mind works. Help them find a tool uh, that will help them understand and see the money as it's coming in and out. And the way people used to, you know, generations ago with their checkbook. uh, checkbook. Yeah, exactly. Find them the digital checkbook that works in 2023. Second thing, get them a credit card. Mm. A lot of parents are scared to get their teenagers credit cards. But first of all, for safety reasons, they're away from us. They probably should have that. Mm -hmm. Second of all, credit cards make spending so easy and so painless. They need to practice this. They need the training wheels on their bike and to be able to ride that bike while they're still. And also how to assume the debt, right? Like that's, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's a lot of credit cards that are designed. All the major companies have them just for teenagers. So Mm -hmm. they're designed with really low spending limits. They're designed so that you can watch what they're spending. Let them use a credit card before they go. Third one super big. If you have a college-bound team, you are about to enter into the mother of all spending lessons. This is the most expensive thing you will ever buy them, their college education. And all experts say one thing, which is talk through with them what your family can afford before you get to the point where they've applied to a school and Mm. been admitted and you cannot afford that school. I have to tell you, so I said we had 250,000 parents in a Facebook group. Every year we have this thread. Actually, I could cry. Mm-hmm. telling you guys this, um, where a parent will come in and say, my kid has been accepted to their dream school. They did the work. They did the application. They did everything the college needed. They've been accepted and we cannot afford this school. They mm-hmm. cannot go. That is a crushing place 
to be. And below that thread, we usually have dozens of parents saying, me too, me too, me too, me too. Try to make sure that your family doesn't get into that situation. And the way to do that is to have a long, detailed conversation with your 16 or 17-year-old about your family's finances, about debt for college, about scholarships, about merit aid, about financial aid, so that they're not in a situation where you have to say no. And the last one I would say is when they do head off to college, they need some skin in the game. So either some of their summer money needs to go for tuition, or they need to pay for all the things that they want, but don't actually need, or Mm -hmm. in some way, make spending part of their college experience from the very beginning. So they learn how quickly money runs out if you spend it all on pizza and that sort of thing really early on in their college years. Hey, hang in there. We're going to be right back. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy. Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers. To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. It's so interesting because we have a 13-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter at two different stages. Also, the genders are just the the things they're experiencing just because they they line up very stereotypical gender-wise. I think in the pandemic, you know, they were so isolated. And now I feel as if my 16-year-old has been shot out of a cannon socially. (laughs) And in the best way, she entered high school and has this, I mean, all, it's, it's a fairy tale. She has this group of friends and it's a big group of friends. And Every weekend is a birthday party, which I love. And I'm like, she didn't, you know, she has these new friends and it's amazing. But so we started giving her an allowance saying you cover 
the friend this is like you're buying all these gifts because every weekend it was a gift but so we gave her an allowance that was big enough and she had some household duties but again she's so busy you know but, but like this is this is your money to manage and it wasn't that it was mismanaged it just it was never enough and i'm like holy holy moly <laughs> that it was just the amount of money our teen was requiring for this social life so then it became you know babysitting and trying to earn more money and stuff like that so we're slowly learning whereas my son it has to be we we were giving him an allowance he spends nothing he's 13 he would wear one t-shirt every single day he gets invited he definitely gets invited to parties and stuff like that but it's more the parents are arranging these they're arranging these parties so it's and it's less frequent and he would probably just spend it all on video games unless we put some guardrails around that. But he doesn't spend anything. So I'm like, I'm trying to get him to practice spending money and he would just rather not. So we're just, that's not even a real question. It's just, I'm assuming that the people listening are in the same sort of boat. That like, how do we get our daughter to earn more money when she doesn't have time because she's doing, she's, an athlete who practice, has yeah. a practice every day. She has straight A's. She's studying. So I'm like, I can't also, she babysits on weekends, but it's like only so much. <clears throat> My dad told me this thing. He said, school is a full-time job until you get into college and then you can try to get a job. And he said, he said, well, like we'll cover for whatever you need. It's not going to be everything that you want, but I want you committing all of your time in high school to trying to like study. And while you're here, I don't know that everyone's capable of, of doing that. But that was, I just thought, thought I would share with you. That was like how we're having a marriage me. talk right now. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it's like, I, what, do you guys want me to step outside for a minute? Yeah. To have, no. But like, what should we expect our teenagers to contribute? Because we are expecting her to get to focus on school and she is a of good course. athlete and she's practicing every day. So then asking her to contribute by getting her babysitting jobs on, it's just, it feels like a big ask and a very, very stressful, anxious teenage existence. And the most important thing she works on is her grades. Right. So, and I'm, I'm sure that's the message she's getting getting yeah. from you. Um, a lot of this is summer jobs, doing as much mm-hmm. babysitting and summer job as she can do when she doesn't have these other responsibilities, when she doesn't have these academic responsibilities. Some of us is realizing how much inflation has bitten into <laughs> what we need to give them. There's there's an element of that, and then the other is sometimes making some hard choices. You know, maybe she's gotten invited to eight parties and six of them are she wants to, wants to, wants to her besties and two others are a little more peripheral and that's beyond her budget. And maybe she doesn't go to all of them. Maybe yeah. she goes to most things, but not everything. And that will just lead to a massive, you know, drama situation <laughs> at school because I went to Jody A's party, but not Jody C's party. And now Jody C told Kendrick B that, I didn't like them as much, and now they're not sitting with me at lunch. I'm sorry. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We should not care about those things, should we, Lisa? Because there, there are things that are more important than your social life. Uh, not so much more important. have to important. learn to navigate some of those oh, things. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, there's not much more important in high school yeah. than your social life to a high schooler. Yeah. It, it, this is very interesting. So I, I do find myself thinking about my own childhood when we talk about this. I, again, I didn't work, but I also didn't, I, I would never be like, Hey, can I buy something? Cause the answer was just, nah, we're not gonna, we're not, I know, but you're yeah. not getting trendy stuff. I feel like it's different now. Sure. Well, I, and some of the challenges, if you are raising your child in a different income bracket than the one you grew up in, that's, that's a challenge because you, you're mm-hmm. trying to take the rules from different um, points in life. 
Yeah. And you're saying that there should you should scale and have different rules based on your income bracket. Um, yes. Okay. You, well, we naturally do because yeah. you, you offer your daughter things that your family may not have been able to afford. Right. There's no point in her living in a world that, that doesn't exist for her. But that doesn't mean that some of the overarching principles, like you're talking about her babysitting, maybe summer jobs, that sort of thing, aren't just as important. What about, you know, I think managing money, we, we put out a Instagram sort of call out with people having questions or those sort of must learns. And a lot of them were, you know, being able to cook a meal and, you know, sew a button, manage, finances were a huge part of them. But are there bigger ones that we are overlooking in terms of just behavior change? I mean, getting to college, and I had never had to manage what I ate because my meals just magically appeared yeah. somehow from like the meal fairy and so I was like Doritos for breakfast and and I, I s- slowly started discovering it and feel good so making those yeah. like healthy changes in behaviors yeah so one of the things that parents gravitate towards when they think about their kids live, leaving is I need to teach them all these skills super fast because they're about to go and they don't know how to do laundry they've never done laundry or they don't know how to, like you just said cook a meal Yes, it's great to teach them all those things, but anything that they can look up on YouTube or ask chat GPT, mm-hmm. or, which none of us went to college with, or none of them went to college with, yeah. or um, even that we can explain in a five minute text exchange, mom, should I put this on warm or should I put this on hot? I can't remember. Those aren't the crucial skills. The crucial, crucial skills are the things you just touched on, I think. The things that they can't learn in a 15-minute text exchange from us when they're walking between classes. So they can't learn about becoming an adult. They can't learn about handling hard feelings and frustration and anger and disappointment and getting rejected and not getting into that club you want and failing that first midterm and how you rebound in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. How you don't grab a beer, but you go for a run. You know, how you go for a coffee with a friend instead of just stewing in your own anger. That they can't learn in a brief text exchange. That they can't learn from AI. Mm-hmm. Self-care. I think that when you talk about diet, you're, it's kind of part of the larger conversation of self-care. They can't learn what's best for their bodies in terms of exercise and eating and sleeping in a five-minute conversation or mm-hmm. in on the drive on the way to drop them off on campus. These are things that we model for them over years with our own behavior, and then we help them learn about themselves. Um, we touched on time management super, super important, big problem for a lot of kids. It's not easily taught in, in a weekend either. Mm-hmm. How we make mistakes and admit our mistakes and uh, apologize for our mistakes, things like that. And then probably one of the most important things that hits them right when they get to college, getting along with others. Living in a small space with a person you do not know mm-hmm. is a challenge. And over their lifetime, you have talked to them about getting along with people. And that's when that comes into play. Okay. So there's a theme about the differences between high school and college and getting acclimated to that. This is probably not, I, I hope I don't get in trouble for asking this question, but alcohol. Okay. There's, there's alcohol in colleges. There's like my parents, and I'll just say this, they broke the law because when I was 16 and we were at the beach, they were like, you're going to have a glass of wine because you're going to learn how to deal with this before you go to college. I'm very, I was very grateful for that. I saw a lot of I mean, look, this was in the 90s, and I know things are different now, but I saw a lot of people at the school I went to go to the hospital like very early on from like either binge drinking or not really knowing what they were doing. Is that a life skill that you touch on? Is that, like, is that something that you would totally avoid, or 
I feel like I've, I've had this conversation with several parents of teenagers lately, and many of them are saying the same thing that my parents said, which is you should probably try to give them some sort of safe exposure to it before they go to college. Yeah. I'm loath to tell people what to do. I'll tell you why. Because everybody's family history around alcohol is really different. Yeah, and everybody's true. family proclivity towards problems yep. with alcohol yep. varies greatly. So to give alcohol to a kid in a family where there's a addiction... Yeah. Yeah, it's problematic. Then that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Also, everything we know about um, alcohol and drug use is the earlier they start, the more problem that there is. It's A, it's harder on their brain. B, they handle it less well. They're less mature. And the risk of addiction is higher. So experts who know about teens' brains and teens' behaviors will tell you not to give it to them early. The problem you're describing is very real. They get to college and it's like, you know, the shackles are off. Mm -hmm. They go crazy. So a lot of talking around this, a lot of modeling, if you're parents who do drink, a lot of modeling, really, really moderate, responsible alcohol use yourself. Mm -hmm. We have one glass of wine with wine. We meet a friend and we have a drink or two drinks and no one has more and no one drives. No one drives. Things like that. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of really good modeling goes a long way, but I think most experts would tell you not to give your kids alcohol. God, no, thank you. I got, yeah. I, again, I haven't talked to an expert about this. I've just talked to a ton of parents. Yeah. So yeah. that's why. It's, it is a tough one. It is a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a concept in your book called emotional dumping. Can you talk a little yeah. bit more about that idea? Yeah. So this is where um, teens basically come to us often at 11 o'clock at night, maybe you've had this happen, Mm -hmm. and just vomit their day's problems on us. Or they text us from school, just failed the test, it's all over, I'm going to fail the class, life is horrible, I'm miserable, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they sign off, and then you don't hear from them again. When they're in college, they'll call up and say, so-and-so broke up with me, this is the worst thing that ever happened in my life, click. Mm -hmm. And we as parents take this on and like, oh my God, this is horrible, I have to do something. That's not always the answer. Mm-hmm. Often the answer was receiving the phone call, receiving the text, allowing that that 16-year-old to come into your bedroom at 11 o'clock at night and tell you all their problems and walk away because the solution was just verbalizing it. I, mean, I don't want to gender stereotype too much, but for girls particularly, saying it out loud to people who you know love you, no matter what happens in your life, is enormously, enormously healing. So sometimes the answer was just to say, do you want me to help you with this? Or did you just want to tell me about it? And if you want to tell me more, I'm here to listen. Mm -hmm. And that itself solves the problem. So we have to often get out of problem solving mode where we're going to make it better and just get into listening mode because that's often all they need from us. That's just to dump those emotions on us and move on. Uh, Was there any research about emotional dumping between married couples? Um, if there is, I don't know it. Well, we can give you works. some research. Well, I would. I, I, I do it at the end of the day, oh. and she does. No, you, yeah, I do it at the uh, beginning. You of the do day. it as I wake up. Well, so we we both are guilty of this, and we talk about it out loud. So yeah. I actually empathize with teenagers when this happens. We're still doing it. Uh, okay, we again we put out a, a call out on Instagram of things that people you know wanted to learn or thought they thought was imp- important to learn. Um, but we had a lot of parents of younger kids, as young as eight, and they were wondering what sort of life skills that they should be starting as young as eight. Um, well, a lot of life skills that we teach kids early on in life are just things that we're modeling. So, you know, being kind to others and being responsible and being a good 
parent, spouse, friend, mm-hmm. sibling. Um, you know, we model for our kids how to be good siblings sometimes with our own siblings. They mm-hmm. see how we are sometimes with them. That can be a way we model good behavior or, you know, whether we're good children to our own parents. So a lot of the lessons around treating others is something that we're modeling all along, super important life lesson. Um, we can start to teach very young children about money. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with going through the grocery store and talking about what things cost and talking about why we make certain spending decisions. You know, this one costs less and we don't really care so much about it, the taste of it. But, you know, we really like to buy this particular vegetable. So we, you know, we spend a little more on that. Nothing wrong with having those conversations early on and starting that that money thing um, quite early on with them. We had multiple questions about Uber or public transportation and teens. Oh, well, it depends, I guess, how where safe you live. they are. Yeah. Yeah, where you live. Uber has a lot of safety measures. Um, parents should dig into it. They have a whole section on their website. I wrote a piece about this. Um, once something happened to a, a teen, uh, something bad happened to a teen who got into a car that wasn't an Uber. Mm. Um, so teach them all about Uber safety. Walk through with them. You know, Do it with them. You know, mm. We look for the number. We check to make sure the numbers. We check the drivers who, the, you know, the picture of the driver here is, is the driver that we see there. But then there are ways that, they can push immediately that you're tracking them when they're in the Uber. So set those out with them, particularly teenage. I mean, most places, children don't take Ubers, but set sure. those out with yeah. them. Um, how to use, how to engage all of the safety measures that Uber puts in its app. Let them know that you're watching them, you know, and that you expect them to engage those things for a while while they're learning to use them. Uber is a great thing though, because yeah. these this generation doesn't drink and drive the way earlier generations did. And part of it is because they have this this service available and, to them. And it's a very good thing. And talk about modeling. Our, we, our family rule is even if we have one drink, we Uber because that's just not... And we, we say it out loud before we leave. They see us leave in an Uber. They see us come home in an Uber. And even when we're out, we're, we're not we're not heavy drinkers. But we have been insistent on modeling that because we have access to it. Now, here's something that a couple people wrote, and it was how to spot fake news. Because it is getting as a life skill. I will say this is something adults need to learn as well. But it is so hard right now, don't you think, with our ki- our kids are just, they have so much access to information. And they don't know what outlet's reliable yeah. for news. Yeah. Uh, much, much less so than when we were younger, where there was just the news. Yeah. Yeah. And it's getting harder, um, you know, because AI is only increasing our oh ability to fake people's voices. I read this morning about something where you just put a couple of things in and it makes fake videos for you. Yes. So now, you know, you can't trust what you're seeing with your own eyes because it, was, it wasn't made by a human. I think one of the things to do with them is go through what you think are um, reliable news services. This will be different in every family because every family's politics are different. But give them a, a bunch of them that you know because you're adults and you've been watching the news for a long time that you consider reliable news services. Teach them to check multiple sources. Right. So when they see us, so often you see a headline in one place and you, you know, jump out of your skin. Some some study shows that X, Y, and Z, something you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. is immediately going to cause you harm. Then you Google it. You read six more stories. And you know what? There, there was a lot more to the story than that original headline. Teach them the headlines are literally written to grab people's attention. It's clickbait. Not necessarily They're all clickbait. To yeah. Exactly. So multiple stories and give them reliable sources. I think that is one of the bigger issues that our entire country needs to learn as a skill. And it is, I mean, I, we're former journalists. So even if, you know, there is a news organization, I I just don't, 
I don't understand why news organizations have a mm-hmm. political leaning, but they do right now. So even if it's one that I would gravitate more, I never, and I've told my kids this, I never take just that. You know, if there's big news happening, we do go to multiple sources. They can't just hear something on TikTok and report it as fact. Although I've like definitely been guilty of that. I'm like, oh, I read this article. And he goes, you just saw it on TikTok. Um, but I, it is, that is a, that is a life skill that yeah. I think needs, uh, needs to be almost, I mean, it needs to be taught in schools I, too. Yeah. I, I showed my son, my 13 year old son, Snopes.com. I don't know if it was smart or not, but I'm like, I feel like I'm looking for like a fact checking place for people yeah. to look at. But okay. Another question. We get a lot of interesting questions, right? This one, this one, I just, took pause when I saw it. It was like, what, t- talk about the importance of boys to learn how to cook and sew. I was like, so that's interesting. But cook, I thought, you know, th- th- I'm sure that's interesting too. Anyway, I just thought I would throw that at you. Someone wanted to know how important is it for, for boys to learn to cook and sew? I'm not sure about sewing. I'm not even sure the girls know how to sew. So I, it, um, it got me thinking yeah. it's probably smart yeah. for everyone to know how to do it. But yeah. a button. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. Or fixing a hem. Uh-huh. You just put your foot through the hem of your pants or something. Well, like I like that, that yeah. too, because you always assume that like, oh, well, mom will do that. Right. Like it's anyway. So sorry. Go ahead. Well, again, like so much else we do with parenting, some of that helps if they've seen dad cooking. Um, if they mm-hmm. see dad cooking, then they know it's something dads do have them in the kitchen with you, show them how much fun it could be, create the meals that they love. Listen, there's nothing more motivating to teenage boys than food. You know, talk through, we're going to shop for a meal that you love. We're going to make the meal that you love. We're going to cost out what that meal is. You know, use that all as a, as a chance to do some modeling with them around, um, around cooking, but just be realistic with them. You're going to live on your own. You're going to live with a group of guys, probably in college. Then you're going to live on your own for a while. I don't know who you think is going to make those meals from you. It's going to be mom and it isn't going to be a partner in your life. So this is a skill you need to just to survive. Show them also how expensive eating out is and ordering food. Mm -hmm. We have a piece on our website about how angry it makes parents. The kids think the way to cook a meal is to get on their phone and get on an app and order it out. (laughs) Money is, is going to be a big factor in their life when they're young adults. Show them how expensive that is as a way to eat. We are not. Well, we're getting an F minus no, on that last thing you just said. We're busy as well. Bleep. So now I will say yeah. I, I will buy groceries and so I will cook and I'll say, hey, Penn, you're in charge of dinner tonight. And he goes, great. And it's I'll get a DoorDash notification, which isn't. I'm not the only one who does this. A hundred percent. You're I'm, not alone. But I yeah. probably I will say last summer I made this sort of commitment. You know, my son was 12 at the time who was going to learn how to be more confident in the kitchen so now i asked like him yesterday yeah. he, he can make eggs and macaroni and cheese and he can heat up you know he can do toaster and microwave stuff pretty confidently but i think this summer we're going to graduate to some some teflon pans maybe oh i just feel like it would be great if they both of my kids did the thing where they went to the store they had a budget they bought yeah. the ingredients and then I need to let go as a type A <laughs> yeah. neurotic person that they are doing it wrong. Did I tell you about when he made eggs? Oh, God. It was awesome. He what was happened? like, okay, where are the eggs? I'm like, oh, where, where wouldn't yeah. like, well, anyway. just open the, and so he found the eggs. He put them on the counter and one of them obviously rolled off the counter. We're not exactly floor, level in this like, house. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've got a bit of a slip lean yeah <laughs> um and then the second one he cracked on the side of because he's like i'm just gonna fry him he cracked on the side of the pan and it immediately went on the outside of the pan into the open flame 
And at that point, I was like, okay, buddy, we're going to try this again later. Maybe we'll try scrambling or something. And we never finished it. So I've got, we tried. Yeah. But I'm sure that you will say the same thing that, like, in order to learn those skills, they've got to fail. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've dropped a dozen eggs on the floor myself. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. He's, it's, and you're supposed to do it in a bowl first. So that, babe, I know that. He wanted that. to fry the eggs. Okay. You can't do it in a bowl if you're frying the eggs. Yeah, you can't. You can just, and then pour it from the bowl. Okay. Okay. Are there so how, hey, how old are you? Can I touch on one other skill for young please. younger yes, kids please. that please, we didn't please. talk about? It's all it, you know. It, it may, you maybe think about when you talk about the state that our country's in, and it's about citizenship. Mm. So there's a lot of things that I feel a lot of people feel are really important for citizenship in this country. They have to do with voting. They have to do with jury duty. They have to do with paying taxes. Some of these we can talk to our kids about really young. We can take them into the voting booth with yeah. us. They can we can show them we vote doesn't matter what your politics are. This is like an important thing to show kids from early on. Yeah. Um, jury, if you get jury duty, don't just disappear and do jury duty. Talk through with them why you're doing it, why you've got called in, why you can't say no, and mm-hmm. why it's okay that none of us can say no. And it's, it's one of the ways we serve our country. So I think the, the, the citizenship pieces used to be bigger in education. Some of that's now on us to teach them. Yeah, we, de- we've, we always take our kids in when we vote because there's some flexibility with early voting and stuff like that. Yes, we do. Um, and I like to take them in and brainwash them while I'm in there. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and while you're here, here's you what are, you're going to believe. We are in. indoctrinating you. No. Um, so how old are your kids now, Lisa? My kids are young adults now. They're okay. all out of college. Yeah. Now, are there, if you could go back in time, what are the things that you wish you had spent more time teaching them? So if I could go back in time, there's a field around something called mattering right now. And a good friend of mine's got a fantastic book coming about this, out about this. I would spend more time letting my kids knew, know how much they mattered to me. We mm-hmm. get very, very busy and you find yourself yelling and screaming and rushing. And, you know, I, I can imagine scenes in my mind of grabbing them at their middle school or high school basketball game or baseball game changing into soccer clothes and taking them to their team soccer, you know, practice right afterwards, like literally changing sports in the car and then rushing to dinner afterwards. Somewhere along the way, we need the mental health crisis that we're suffering in this country is coming from our kids in part, not understanding how much they matter for themselves. Mm. So my kids got lots of praise for the things that they did. And I'm sure that your daughter, as she's a joiner and doing all sorts of things, getting lots of outside adulation for accomplishments but she needs to know she matters to you for just who she is. And I'm sure you do tell her that. I don't think I could have done. I think I could have done more. And I don't think I could have done too much around that. Uh, it was the advice was given to me to say things like, I just like spending time with you. You're so much fun to be around. And it's interesting because I have definitely I've definitely worked those that language into just in opportunities like for sitting there. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite place to be just I just love being with you and trying to do that. But I think I was saying things like it's one of those like you damned if you do, damned if you don't. I was always saying to my son how much fun it was to be with him. I, I was like, you were so funny. You light up a room. I love being with you. You, you like, it, I just love being around you. You have such good energy. And he said to me recently, he's very self-aware. He goes, I, he goes, I know that I'm fun to be around, but sometimes it's a lot of pressure to be like the fun one to be. He feels like he has to be the, and which is his dad, which is like, he's, he's taking on the, like Penn does the same thing. He's like, it's a lot of pressure to walk into the classroom. And then my teachers expect me to be 
the the fun one who can work with anyone. It's just, it's a lot. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay, right. Okay, you have permission to feel sad and I'm here for you. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. yeah. We wrote a book about this in our relationship book and it, it's called Secret Contracts. It's these things that you, in a relationship, these deals that you make that are just assumed that you're going to do. And most of the time they're healthy and great, but a lot of times when they're not, you don't say anything because you think it's your job. And it's interesting that I never thought about talking to our kids about that particular part of it, but it sounds like you did. Uh, So that's good. Well, I'm trying. But also another one I want to hit on, and then we're going (laughs) to let you go, I promise. We haven't gone through this yet because we're just kind of dipping our toe into what high school romances and romances look like. So, but I am just kind of tiptoeing, like there's going to be a first heartbreak. There's going to be, and there, and there's going to be a first one, and then there's going to be a second one, and probably a third if they are like their parents, probably ten, right? So, how do you help your kid navigate those heart, little heartbreaks? You know that one. I think you're just a warm arms for them to have a hug. There's, there's nothing that really helps. It's so crushing. <sighs> it's, it feels condescending to say you'll feel this way again about someone else. You know that I know that we're not teenagers. It belittles what they went through and that's our impulse. And Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not a helpful thing. So a lot of listening, a lot of hugging, um, special little treats just to cheer them up the coffee that they love, the flavor of ice cream they love. It's trivial, but it's just kind of like just little ways of saying I'm here. I know it's yeah. hurting. So I'm trying not, to make it a little yeah. bit. Not like, where does he live? Let's go slash his tires. <laughs> that, that would be my instinct. Right. We ride at dawn. Yeah. And let's get to dawn. Uh, <laughs> we, but can, can I touch on something you said yeah. earlier that I think is super important? I feel bad about my, in my parenting about, you know, marriage is hard. You guys right. have been really honest and so helpful to so many people by talking about that. I didn't talk to my kids enough about that. Mm-hmm. When it was hard and their father and I were having a tough time, I kind of wanted to pretend it wasn't happening because I felt like we were modeling really bad behavior patterns. Mm-hmm. I should have been explicit. I should have said, it's really hard. Your dad and I don't always see it eye to eye. We have good times. We have rough times. This is what it's like. It's more good than bad. That's why we're here. And if you're not with the other parent, you could say we weren't a perfect match. I hope you find a match that works better for you. I think being verbal and explicit about that, I just tried to pretend like this isn't happening and we'll have a good period and then I'll show them what a good marriage is. Right. Talk about marriage is a much more complex thing, relationships, partnerships, whatever, much more than I let them believe. That's a good one too. So I have to say, (laughs) as an aside, I have a dear friend and her parents did have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful marriage. And she had one of those childhoods that's out of a movies, out of the movies, just so perfect. It, I, I joke because it messed her up and that she thought that that's what a normal marriage, it was so, it was so sunny. So it's one of those things you're, you again, as a parent, you're, you're danged. danged if you do, you're danged if you don't. <laughs> danged, that's a good word. We're gonna, hey, just, this is something, I'm not an expert. We're all going to screw up our kids. Let's just end with that. We're all going to, we just don't know how yet, but we're going <laughs> to screw up our kids. The only thing we can do is the best we can. And I believe part of doing the best you can is listening to really smart people. And that is what we have done today with Lisa. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for helping us do the best we can, even though we know 
we're going to screw our kids up somehow. We just like, (laughs) we'll be 60 and we'll be like, oh crap. That's what we did wrong. Well, well, tell people how there's, there's so much, I mean, you've written so much on this and your, your site and your writers have written so much on this. So there's, there's, you know, one podcast isn't going to cover it all. Where can people find you and your books and all that stuff? Uh, We have a website. It's grownandflown.com. Super easy to find. Um, There's a Facebook group. This is the 250,000 parents I was talking about called Grown and Flown Parents. And we have a membership where parents work with college counselors. Really, really thorny part of um, parenting teens. Um, It's called College Admissions Grown and Flown. Um, And then they can find us on Instagram and the book is in the bookstores. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for your time here today and all the work you're doing. I mean, it is definitely... We are your target audience right now. Yes. I would I would say so thank you for the work but, you do. And also thank you for getting people who don't even have teenagers yet ready for this because it is I I think we we both agree this is a very important time yeah. to be a parent. Okay. Thank it's you Lisa. Important. Thank you both so much. I so enjoyed talking to you both. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.